Good morning, everybody. Thank you for giving up some time to be part of our weekly Bible study. I'm going to continue today by looking at our theme of remaining in the love of Christ. And um, this is a follow on from Sunday's message where we spoke about the, the topic of uncover. And we looked at uh, three broad points as to some of the things that we we need to try and uncover or lift the lid on if we are going to be honest and authentic in remaining in the love of Christ. So uh, before we just recap those, let's just spend a time in prayer and then we can carry on. So Lord God, we just set aside this time today together around the scriptures. Thank you that we can do this um, wherever we are um, and via our phones. And Lord, we just pray that as your word is shared that we would feel not only connected to a broader community, but certainly connected to you. So uh, may your spirit grant us wisdom and discernment as also um, just give us insight as we gather around the scriptures. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, perhaps the best thing to do if you're interested um, and you haven't heard the sermon is to go and to listen to it. It is on the uh, on the website or on YouTube, but that's sort of the 25-minute version. But um, just want to give a quick recap as to what we covered on Sunday. Um, and so what we were suggesting is that if we are, are wanting to remain connected to the vine, uh, remaining in the love of Christ, there are three things that we uh, will be wise to to understand and to recognize in our Christian journey. The first one is um, the sin that separates us from God. And then we spoke here about Adam and Eve and, and how when they had sinned, they, they chose to hide from God. And uh, we just had to really come to a point of understanding that we, we can't hide from God. You know, we, we have to confront sin. Um, even for many of us who've been Christians for a long time, sin is there. It's crouching at the door, waiting for a moment of our weakness um, to come in and to, de to derail us. So it's about just being honest about that. And as we lift the lid on that or as we shine the light of Christ on that, so it helps us um, to, to really deal with that. And God's Spirit helps us in our time of weakness. We also looked at uncovering the things that separate us from each other. So obviously this is also um, stemming from our sin. There are things that separate us from each other. And um, we, we can speak here about a lot of things within the life of the church. But the, the challenge is Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And what does that really mean for us? Um, and we, we're challenged to have a look at our church communities, um, maybe even our small groups, our ministries, and in a lot of other areas within the life of the church as to say, you know, are there things subtly that um, that creep into our hearts and minds that keep us separated from other people. And I mean, these can range from um, our choice of service style or music or who we worship with and what we wear. There's a whole lot of things in that, but it's, it's worth um, being honest about that and saying, yes, there are some things that do, um, do come up and they separate us from each other. And I suppose the challenge is how do we change that? Then the last one was um, taking a look at uncovering the, the masks that we wear. 
And I think this is quite important for us because sometimes we we come to church and we put on the church mask or the, the Christian mask and it all, all looks good and people look at us and they think, okay, no, Dalm's got his life all together. But we know that we can't fool God um, and and is it really healthy to to fool other people and to pretend that we we are somebody else? And so we, we wrestle with this this need for being authentic in our faith. And I think the very first person we need to be authentic with is God, um, because God, as as the psalmist reminds us, that God looks deep within the hearts of men and women, and God can examine our motives and our thoughts. And Jesus said in Matthew 10 that there's nothing that's hidden that will not be disclosed. And he said there's nothing that's hidden that will not be made known. And so we can't hide from God, but we also need to get to a deeper place within our spiritual journey of trusting people to, um, yeah, to, to grow in our faith, but also to have people who walk alongside us. And that's what we're going to cover a bit more in this coming Sunday sermon, so I won't go too much more into that right now. So what I want to do today um, is not look at any of the scriptures from last Sunday, but look at a scripture that I think really, really speaks into the last points I've spoken of here, and that is um, knowing ourselves and the masks that we we sometimes wear. And I want to come to Psalm 139, a very well-known psalm. Some of you who <clears throat> are listening to this are, are immediately saying, yes, that's one of my favorite psalms, and it really is a beautiful psalm. So for today, in the context of lifting the lid or uncovering um, the masks that we wear, I want us to look at Psalm 139, so you can turn there if you have your Bible. Um, And uh, one of the commentators said this, that this psalm is about how God knows me, how God surrounds me, how God has made me, and how God tests me. And it's those four things that are actually quite neatly separated in the psalm. If you if you have a look at it in front of you, you'll see that uh, it's very neatly broken down into, into four sections of six verses each. So the very first section where David speaks about how God knows me, he, he says, and I, and I read, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me. To attain. And um, the technique that he uses in the beginning, certainly verse 1 and 2, is almost like pairs of words. And this adds emphasis to it. So you see verse 1, he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. It's like a double emphasis here. And then verse 2, you know when I sit and when I rise. That pair of words is almost opposites. Um, Like verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. And it just, it's, it's the, I guess, the poetic way that the psalmist is using to speak about how God knows us completely. Um, so when we sit, when we rise, our thoughts are going out, and one can imagine leaving the home, coming home later on and lying down, going to bed. Before we speak, there's this idea that God knows us. 
Verse 5 um, could be seen, depending on, on our relationship with God at the time, could be seen as a positive or negative. He says, you hem me in. Now, just that phrase, you hem me in, some people who feel claustrophobic, that could be a problem, um, feeling like God is crowding our space. But the idea, I think, when I read it, is it's this um, the concept that we, we really can't get away from God um, and in a positive way, because the second part of the verse is, and you lay your hand upon me. So, you know, we, we can't run away from God. God is there and he lays his hand upon us, which is, uh, I think, a sign of grace. Um, there is a beautiful poem called The Hound of Heaven, written by Francis Thompson. And um, what I'm actually thinking about doing is I will share a little bit about that in a one of the daily blogs in the next day or two. So if you'd like to to read that, then um, I'll include it in there because it's a very long poem. In fact, it's over 180 um, lines, so I won't use the whole poem, but I'll just share a little bit around that. Um, but there is this, this part or this idea that comes from this poem, The Hound of Heaven, where, where there's like a shadow that's cast. And um, the idea, if you like, tie this in with verse 5, is that sometimes we may feel like there is a shadow upon us. And our immediate thought is, you know, maybe the shadow is evil. But through the, the poem, The Hound of Heaven, and just, you know, broadening our horizons and our minds in this, it's interesting to think that perhaps the shadow could be caused by God's outstretched hand. Um, as God lays his hand upon us, that the shadow we see is not evil, actually, but just God's hand that rests upon us. And I, I think that's quite a nice way just to look at it, quite different, um, but I'll just offer it to you. We then move on to verse 7 to verse 12, and these six verses speak about not only does God know us, but God surrounds us. And here you'll see the language, so where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, which, remember, is another way of saying from the east, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, for the, for, for the people of that time, they would have understood that as talking about the west. Um, it's, again, also these, these pairs of words and opposites. Even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And then he says, well, even if I ask darkness to hide me, then your lights will still um, you know, be there for me. And, and I think this is just the, another beautiful picture of the psalmist reminding himself, but also reminding us that, that when we trust our hearts and our lives into God's hands, it doesn't matter where we are, whether we live in South Africa, whether we live overseas, uh, whether we're in the east or the west, the north or the south, God is there. Um, I came across a question that I think is maybe worth pondering just before we move to the next section. And the question goes like this. What is more scary for you, a God who pursues us to the ends of the earth or a God who is already there? In other words, is the idea of a God who pursues you or pursues me wherever we go, is that, does that scare you or is that reassuring for you? Or if you add on to that, the knowledge that even if I tried to flee from God, 
and let's say I went from the east to the west, that when I eventually arrived in the west, God would already be there. It's an interesting thought. So hold that um, in the tension of this particular psalm. And then we come to the third section from verse 13 to verse 18, um, which reminds us that not only does God know me and God surround me, but God also made me. For you knit me, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. And 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 just, I'll just pause there for a moment. Remember, I'm sharing this psalm in the context of how we we try to hide who we are from others, but also from God. And this is a wonderful, I think, a promise for us is that God has created us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So, you know, God takes delight in us, which should hopefully bring us a, a sense of peace that we can be who we are um, before God, but also before other people. Uh, verse 50, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Um, one of the commentators commented about that it's just a, a, a beautiful picture that even before a new parent or new parents find out that they are pregnant, God already knows. God sees us and God knows us. And obviously nowadays we have the gift of these beautiful scans and you know you can you can see the the, the baby forming and growing and so on. But this idea that, that even before the mother and the father know that we exist, God knows that we exist. And so the psalmist then says, Well, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And that is a a lovely way to end this section of, of how God made us, but also that God knows us. And so as you woke up today, this morning, um, and as you go to bed this evening, just remember that God is there. God is there both times, morning and evening. And whether we go to the east or the west, God is, is with us. Okay, finally, let's come to verse 19 to 24. Now, this is interesting because it's almost as if David suddenly flips out, um, like he flips his lid, becomes suddenly very angry, because these wonderful thoughts of God knows me, God surrounds me, God made me, suddenly turns in verse 19 to this kind of language. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and appall those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Sure, that's a massive big change in, uh, in the mood of the psalm. And, and I don't know if you remember me saying in the beginning, but one of the commentators says that this, this section, verse 19 to verse 24, can be under a, like a very loose title of God tests me. And I wonder if this, this is not David's just brutal honesty in trying to live his life, uh, trying to follow God. We know that at certain times in his life he had many enemies, 
not only as the king of Israel, but his son Absalom and, and King Saul and other people that didn't like him. And, and even as somebody who in, in, his, in, in his best days um, was, was very zealous for God, he would have seen those who were against God as being adversaries. Um, and I think David was very defensive of God. You know, that's why he, he may have said, you know, don't I hate those who hate you. Um, I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. So, you know, David was one of those very loyal uh, followers of God, despite his hiccups, despite his sin. Um, he was one of those people that said, you know, if, if this person is an enemy of God, then they're an enemy of mine. But I think if it finished there at verse 22, we probably would have been left scratching our heads a bit. But um, many of the Psalms um, of David particularly, they often start off in a, in a place of like, you know, quite angry, quite depressed, quite dark. And then, then they, they also flip to being more positive. And, and the way I've always seen that is that it's David's just honesty. His, it's his prayer. He's pouring out his heart to God. He, he's being authentic. He's not hiding anything. He's being real. But then the way it's ended, and this could just be the craftsmanship of the of the Psalms and the poems, but he, he ends with almost like coming back to himself, coming back to a sense of, you know, gee, I can't, I shouldn't be thinking like this. And so he says in verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, you know, perhaps this is David just suddenly, like I say, having had his rant, now suddenly says, you know what, God, actually at the end of the day, you the one who must search me, you must know my heart, you must test me, um, and also know my anxious thoughts. Now, that, that phrase, anxious thoughts, could be, in some translations, it's misgivings, uh, it's concerns, um, and and I think what what in the context of what David is saying here, it's his, his thoughts and his misgivings and his anger with these people that could ultimately lead to some kind of action, and that action could be quite dangerous. And so, so suddenly one almost gets the picture of David saying, sure, there's a fine line between my thoughts and my actions, Lord, so actually just search me. Know my heart, know where I'm coming from, test me. And know my, my misgivings, know these thoughts that are causing anxiety in me. And then he says, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, so David, I think that word offensive, David is, is pleading with God to say, look, I don't want to allow my anger to cause me to sin. It's like what Jesus was saying, you know, don't, in your anger, do not sin. So and I think this is his prayers, honest looking at, honestly looking at himself and inviting us to do, to do the same. Um, we, we had a, an interesting discussion in the, one of the Bible studies this week just about this idea of anxiety. And um, be, because the Bible speaks quite a bit about anxiety and encouraging us to, to cast our burdens, to cast our cares onto God and and don't be anxious about anything, uh, Paul says, but you know, present your request to God. And so I, I would guess that, that David's anxiety in this psalm is brought about from 
from the, the bloodthirsty, the evildoers, those who are rebellious against God. And it's, it's made him feel very, uh, yeah, like his heart is beating faster and there's this, this anxiety welling up within him. Um, but I, I also think that, that if we feel anxious about other things in our lives, that the word can, can also help us. You know, so if we're listening to the Bible study today and we feel that our, um, our hearts are quickening and maybe our spirits are feeling a little bit down or anxious about other areas of our lives, then we can still pray the same prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Because I think we all in the perfect world want to be at peace. So we want to take that anxiety and say, Lord, help me to be at peace, help me to be content, help me to trust in you. And so it's that that lifting the mask, that's the the coming to a place of saying, Lord, I can't hide this anymore. So you know me already. Um, so I, I speak it out to you. This is what I'm feeling anxious about. And slowly but surely we trust that the Spirit of God then brings peace into our hearts. So the anxiety eases, and hopefully over time it, it evaporates. But um, it's just something to also worth uh, it's, it's worth thinking about in the context of um, our topic for today. Friends, I'm going to leave it there. A beautiful psalm, you know it. I encourage you to read it again. If also you have time uh, to listen to the sermon, listen to it, and there's a number of scriptures there that you could also dwell on. But uh, I want to just pray for us and then we can continue with the rest of our, um, our chores or our routine for, for the day. So come, let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have invited us to remain in you, to remain connected to the vine. And um, when we are honest enough, there are many things that threaten that, um, that, that, that promise, that threaten our remaining in your love. And so as we uncover the sin in our lives, as we uncover the separation from others and from you, and as we uncover even the masks that we wear, and, and sometimes the, uh, the desire to, to pull away from people and pull away from fellowship, so would you speak to us. Help us to remember, like the psalmist says, that we are known by you, we are loved by you, we are surrounded by you, and that, Lord God, as you created us, so you know us intimately. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray for anybody who may be feeling anxious today, that even as we listen to the Bible study, we would come to a greater place of your peace. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for listening, friends. Um, I pray that God will continue to watch over us as we head out into the week. See you later. Bye-bye.